it took me a little while to get comfortable with the fact that I did not look, act, or behave like, you know, your typical CEO archetype, um, and that I was going to have to be my own weird version of, of what a CEO is, and that I can still be successful that way. And that's made life much easier for me, and it's made it very fun. And I think it brings a level of authenticity and builds a level of trust with my team and, and with my customers that I would be missing if I was really trying to stick to and kind of fit a mold of what I think a CEO should look like. Did you know that throughout 2020, pet adoption numbers surged by nearly 110% in the U.S.? Chances are, if you didn't adopt a pandemic puppy, you have a friend, or maybe three, who did. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Anu Dougal, and you're listening to The 2%, a podcast highlighting women who are breaking barriers and building the businesses of the future. Today, I am joined by Female Founders Fund founder, Christy Horvath of Wagmo, the company reinventing pet wellness for a new generation of pet parents. In this episode, we take a deep dive to explore what this influx of pandemic puppies meant for Wagmo, as well as the future of the exploding pet tech industry as a whole. Christy shares the personal story that inspired her founding journey, how she approached building a product catering to the millennial demographic, and her advice for founders looking to build loyalty with younger customers. It's a great conversation, so let's get started. Christy, so great to have you on here today. What has your day been like? Oy, it's been a day. I'm very excited to be here. I have a foster dog at my house right now, so to be honest, my my day started by making sure that he was not getting into the trash can because he, he fancies himself a fan of the bathroom trash. So um, that's how we started, and lots of cups of coffee later. I'm a few meetings in and ready to get this day going. Amazing. Well, thrilled to have you on here. Maybe we can start with your background. So I know you started your career working on the insurance team at BlackRock for six years before HBS and ultimately Wagmo. What were some of the biggest lessons or skills that you brought from, you know, that BlackRock experience, the HBS experience um, into your kind of Wagmo founding journey? Yeah, well, I can tell you it was a bit of a culture shock going from a giant finance company to starting a company. I mean, I had never worked in tech. I didn't really know what working in tech meant. I didn't know what a product manager was, like didn't know what growth marketing was. So I came in um, really with a a fully separate skill set and a a separate network. Um, But the things that really did cross over that have been super beneficial, uh, number one, data. Like I am a huge data nerd at BlackRock. I lived in spreadsheets. Um, At Wagmo, I live in spreadsheets. And so I think that focus and sort of relentless um, intention of always going back to the data and and making sure that the numbers support what you're doing and what you're thinking um, has really carried over. Um, Also, attention to detail when I was an analyst at BlackRock making PowerPoints for, you know, my managers and and the leads. Um, I was always getting docked for like style points and, and punctuation and making sure things lined up. And now um, I'm at a point where I realized that that's actually quite meaningful feedback and that attention to detail has really stuck with me. And I think 
um, we take it pretty seriously as a company and make sure that everything that we put forward in front of our customers um, is really buttoned up and, and done very deliberately. And then of course, knowledge about insurance. Like I would not know anything about insurance had I not worked at BlackRock for all those years. So I owe all of that to, to that. So as it relates to Wagmo, uh, we'd love to just hear about the inspiration um, behind, you know, why you started it, what got you excited um, in particular about this space. Well, I've always been a dog person. I grew up in Colorado um, with cats and dogs my whole life. I'm always the type of person who would rather hang out with a dog than a human. And um, after working at BlackRock with insurance companies, I realized uh, you know, and I actually love insurance as well. And so knew that I was going to spend my career in insurance in some capacity, um, went to business school to figure out what that was and took my dog with me to business school. His name was Denver, of course. And he was like three or four years old. Um, he was the first dog that was really mine. You know, I'd had family dogs before. And in the middle of business school, um, he got very sick. He developed this crazy brain tumor pretty much out of nowhere. Yeah, and it's caused him to have these full body seizures and always in the middle of the night, of course. And for about three months, it just got worse and worse. And so we you know, went through countless vet appointments, emergency visits. We saw a dog neurologist. We, we did doggy CT scans, like you name it, we did it. And at the end of all of that, it was a terminal diagnosis. So. That was a extremely traumatic and frankly expensive uh, experience that I went through. And I came out of that with just the most sincere appreciation for what it really means to be a pet parent and just how all consuming that really is, it, it, for, especially from a financial perspective, right? Um, I mean, I was in business school, I literally had negative income. So thankfully, you know, I had a credit card that I could use and I had pet insurance throughout all of that. So I came away with a very genuine appreciation for pet insurance as a product um, and realized that it's something that every pet parent should have. Um, but also realized that there's quite a, quite a lot left to be desired um, with pet insurance as it exists today or, or existed then. And um, that there was a lot of room for improvement. And it, if it was going to be a product that everybody had and, and particularly this millennial generation that some changes needed to happen. And so, you know, figured I love dogs and I love insurance. So what else am I gonna do with my life? Better start a pet insurance. Yep. Perfect combination. Can you maybe share a little bit about what the landscape at that point looked like as it relates to who were the incumbents and why did you feel like you know, a startup had the potential to, to kind of make that experience better for, for potential customers. Yeah, I mean, this is only like three or four years ago at this point. So we're, we're not that long ago, but, but things have certainly changed. But, you know, when I first started really, and, and today still nationwide um, insurance was the largest player in the space. And when you think about old stodgy insurance companies, you think about nationwide. And so, you know, they dominated the pet insurance market. They held almost 50% of the market share. Um, it's gone down a bit since then, but they still remain a really dominant player. And when I compared that with the fact that millennials are now becoming the largest pet owning generation, um, they're just a very obvious disconnect to me, right? You've got this massive wave of 
millennials treating their pets like kids and having pets instead of kids um, and the solution that they're after and the experience that they crave and that they demand um, just is very misaligned with what your traditional stodgy insurance company can offer. Um, and insurance is the type of industry like many other financial industries that really has to be innovated from the outside. I mean, to, to turn a big battleship around and to introduce a new product line, to change the brand, like that does not come easily to an insurance company, um, not to mention all the regulation involved um, with that. So I knew that it was gonna have to be a new entrant that, that made those waves. Um, and like I said, I figured, you know, no one had done it yet. I, I remember like Googling pet wellness plans for dogs or pet wellness plans for puppies and nothing came up. And I'm like, how has nobody done this yet? Um, and figured, you know, why not give it a try? Amazing. And so if you were to describe Wagmo for our audience, you know, what would be the best way to, to explain kind of what the true differentiator is in, in the Wagmo experience? Yeah. So we really think of ourselves as a pet wellness company. Um, we have a wellness product, which is truly designed to help pet parents navigate the everyday experience of keeping your pet healthy. You know, your traditional pet insurance product really is designed to help you in that one emergency that may or may not ever happen. Um, and then the rest of the time, it kind of leaves you high and dry. And so what we did is we built Wagmo and we built a product that is designed specifically to be used every single year on the reg for the things that you're gonna do anyways to keep your pet healthy. So we cover those things like your exam fee, your vaccines, your grooming, your flea and tick and heartworm expenses, anything that as a responsible pet parent you're gonna pay for anyways. We built this wellness program around it to really help budget that, smooth out those expenses and make keeping your pet healthy on the day-to-day -day basis that much easier and straightforward. We also have an insurance product that we offer in addition to our wellness plan, but it's available on a fully standalone basis. So one big point of difference between Wagmo and everyone else is that we let pet parents opt into wellness without having to buy the insurance. Because we realized, pet parents ourselves, that not everybody wants insurance. Perhaps they have a pet that's not eligible for it because of a pre-existing issue, um, or maybe they're just not ready for it yet. So we really are designed and sort of the ethos behind Wagmo is meeting pet parents where they are in their journey. Um, and so having this modular approach really allows us to do that and to give pet parents the flexibility to kind of mix and match coverage as they need it and, and when they need it. You know, if you were to describe kind of the insurance product itself, um, how, how is it differentiated from, um, you know, what's, what already exists in the market? Yeah, so our insurance product is going to be true catastrophic coverage. So this is gonna be accidents and illnesses, cancer treatment, x-rays, surgeries, that side of things. Um, what really sets our, well, our, sorry, our insurance product apart is we offer 100% reimbursement. So with a Wagmo insurance product, you pay your deductible and 100% of the, the bill is on us from there. Um, and the reason we did that is really in the name of transparency because we realized when you are in that vet emergency room, and you are confronted with an $8,000 bill, the last thing you wanna be doing is calculating, you know, okay, my deductible is $1,000, my coinsurance is 70%, so I'm still on the hook for that. Um, and that's, that's not the moment when you wanna be crunching numbers and doing math, you wanna know that 100% of it is covered and be on your way. Definitely, definitely, that makes sense. Um, 
So, you know, I think many, many of our listeners know, particularly over the course of the pandemic um, and quarantine, pet adoption numbers surged, I believe it was by 110% in, in the US. Um, and as a result of that, you saw accelerated growth in, in pet tech as an industry. How um, How is WAGMO affected by, by all of that? I would say that it is it is a good time to be in the pet business. Um, you know, it's been a crazy year for a lot of reasons, but um, we are fortunate to be in a position where we've been able to capture a lot of the growth that's come from pet ownership increasing. Um, I mean, I guess we sort of always knew pet ownership was going to continue to increase, particularly within the millennial generation. But um, these past couple of years have really accelerated beyond what we could have expected. And so um, we are positioned squarely in the middle of that, which of course we love. And one really interesting thing, you know, that we've seen shift in terms of the type of customers that we're getting and the type of conversations we're having with our customers is this new focus on what we call the onboarding period, which is, you know, you've got your pet. And in many cases, our customers are first time pet parents. And so they're going through that experience of, you know, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I supposed to be feeding this pet? You know, how do I train it? Um, what's the right insurance? You know, how much are vets? And Wagmo fits that gap really nicely when you go to your first vet appointment and you're like, holy shit, it's $400. <laughs> uh, are you kidding me? Um, and that's really where Wagmo comes into play. And so we've, we've seen a lot of people having that moment of realization um, and have been able to really position ourselves as, as helpful in that onboarding phase, whether it's navigating vaccines or, or helping people smooth out those lumpy $400 visits. Um, our, our wellness product in particular is very well suited for that experience. Amazing. And um, as you kind of think about um, customer needs during the pandemic, were there any shifts um, in, in that that you know perhaps you didn't expect or were you know surprising well i think the biggest thing which in retrospect it makes a ton of sense is customers were uber focused on the speed of claim processing because you know the nature of this business is it's all done on a reimbursement basis and so if you're out of pocket for a vet bill in a time when incomes are constrained, people are losing jobs, um, getting that cash back as quickly as possible is like of utmost importance. And fortunately for Wagmo, um, you know, we've built this insane claims operation from the ground up. And so we've been able to really be there and support customers um, through that and make sure that we're able to get them their cash back within you know a matter of hours versus weeks like our competitors um but yeah that that became a really big focus point for our customer base and, and for the team that makes sense and i guess you know as a result of of your customer base you have you know a lot of experience dealing with millennials um how would you kind of describe how you know their uniqueness as a demographic um in particular understanding and catering to to their specific needs as you said you know first time pet owners um you know adjusting to the spend that you know is associated with a pet um all of that yeah the biggest difference honestly that we see if i think about generational approach to owning a pet is really just that it's 
it's the generation, you know, my parents, they were pet owners. Um, I'm a pet parent. And we use that word very deliberately because this approach to pet ownership has really shifted from, oh, it's just a dog or, you know, you take it to the vet only when it's sick and you feed it kibble that you bought at the drugstore um, to now these pets are genuinely thought of as members of the family and more and more are thought of as children. Um, you know, millennials are having pets instead of kids or as a starter child in many instances. And the implications of that are that they're, you know, they're buying clothes for their pet. They're taking better care of their pets than they do themselves. Um, you know, they're taking their vet, their pets in for their annual exams before they're going to go get their physical with their doctor. They spend more on their pets than they do themselves. Um, they, they also expect a lot more from, from their service providers. So, you know, I think that's where old school insurance has really kind of dropped the ball is that this millennial generation expects white glove service. They expect a high touch experience. They expect claims to be turned around immediately. Um, they don't want a paper check mailed to them. You know, they want, they want their claims paid via Venmo. Um, and so being able to give them the coverage that they need and the support that they need all packaged in this like perfectly slick millennial forward um, experience is it's a tall order for, for a traditional company. Yes, definitely. And so I guess as you think about founders, you know, a lot of our, our audience listening in, some are aspiring entrepreneurs, some are entrepreneurs. Do you have any advice for founders or brands that are looking to cater to, to this millennial market? I would say my, my biggest advice is just be authentic and be transparent. I think more than ever, um, customers and particularly the millennial generation and Gen Z, frankly, are are able to see through like a flashy brand and a fancy UI. Um, I think table stakes is having a seamless, incredible mobile first user experience. Um, and then beyond that to really set yourself apart, it's about really connecting with your customer. And so making them feel like you're giving them more than just a product, whether it's that community layer or that sense of trust or, you know, additional value add additional engagement. I think, today's brands really will go far by just being who they are and, and kind of erring on the side of, of transparency and really oversharing with their customer, um, especially in, in fintech, right? And, and in an industry like insurance where frankly that bar is very low because insurance is just known for being so like opaque and confusing. So, you know, where we really put a stake in the ground is like, we're going to be the opposite. We're going to, if we have to deny a claim, we're going to tell you why we denied it. Um, we're going to explain it to you. We're going to help you understand. Um, and we have to deny claims to stay in business. That's just the way it works, but we do a lot of other things. Great. And I think that level of sincerity and, and honesty really resonates with people um, and builds brand loyalty in a way that like a fancy logo won't necessarily. Yeah, no, I love that. That's such, that's such great advice. We talked about this a little bit, but obviously the pet tech industry has changed, evolved, grown. Um, have you, how have you seen that change, particularly throughout the pandemic? You know, I, I know you you guys recently raised a you know very successful round of funding. Has there been a shift in interest from investors along those lines as well? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Um, it, it, the change has been incredible, actually. Um, I mean, from the investor community in particular, like we went from, oh, it's just a pet. Like, why would anybody care about this to, um, you know, people knocking on our door constantly. So there's been a huge shift in investor interest. And that's all driven by the fact that this market is just taking off. Um, I mean, the pet industry is is very recession proof. Like it has been shown time and time again that people will spend on their pets um, before they'll spend on themselves. So if there's an income crunch, um, they're still going to buy their pet food, right? They're still going to take them to the vet. Um, and that really was put to the test in the past couple of years. And so I think that combined with the fact that millennials are having more pets or, or you know, acquiring more pets, you now see a whole bunch of entrants into the pet space. And a lot of them are doing it for the right reasons. A lot of them are coming from founders who have had similar experiences to myself. You know, they had a pet experience, felt a, a problem very acutely um, and are passionate about solving it. I think there's also some folks who just want a piece of the pet pie, um, which is to be expected, um, but it's becoming really crowded. I mean, there's there's a lot of players, um, which I think ultimately benefits the pet parent at the end of the day. You know, the more folks that enter this industry, the more products that are out there, um, the better those products become, the, the better the pet parent is served. And ultimately it's all for the good of the pet. So the real winners here are the dogs. So I guess along those lines, any predictions for um, for the future of the industry? Where do you see kind of big opportunities ahead? Yeah, I mean, this isn't the sexiest of predictions, but I think we're going to see a lot of consolidation. Um, you know, a lot of people rushed into this and there's a lot of kind of small one-off solutions out there that would really benefit from an economies of scale standpoint or from kind of complementary services standpoint from being combined with another company. So I think we'll start to see a lot of that. Um, I also think we'll see a lot of vertical integration because, you know, pet care is still very fragmented in the same way that, you know, human wellness and human health care used to be. Um, and with more entrance into the pet insurance space and, and more focus on pet wellness as of, true category itself, I think we'll see a lot of um, a lot of companies really thinking about wellness holistically versus just bits and pieces of it. So that'll be um, super interesting to see how that turns out. And then I guess, you know, as you think about WAGMO in particular, um, what is the kind of long term vision, you know, any categories of products that you want to expand into? I mean, our ultimate vision here is just to be there to support pet parents along every step of the journey of what it means to keep their pet well. And so today, you know, we're very focused on veterinary care, whether it's wellness and routine care or emergency. Um, but I think there's a lot more that goes into keeping your pet healthy, whether it's, you know, training or nutrition, um, exercise. So we... We certainly have our minds open and are considering a lot of other avenues. Um, but in the near term, we're just super focused on making sure that our, our products are amazing and that our customers are happy and supported. And obviously pet insurance world domination. <laughs> yeah, obviously pet insurance world domination. That goes without saying. Um, yes. I, I know that, you know, originally when, when Wagmo began, you know, the idea was really focused on direct-to-consumer sales. 
And, um, and I know that in light of um, the fact that, you know, millennials are obviously in the workforce and employers are looking to, um, to kind of find ways to, to have them feel supported. Um, you have been exploring uh, enterprise models. So, you know, is this something that, that you think could be a significant part of the Wagmo business model long-term? Absolutely. Um, and actually with each conversation that passes and with each month um, that we pursue this strategy, I'm, I'm more and more convinced of it. We, you know, employers, especially now, and what are they calling this? Like the great resignation or what have you, like employers are hyper-focused on retaining and attracting talent. And the, the concept of family has completely shifted to now include a pet. And so when you think about offering whole family benefits for your employees, um, pet is very squarely in there. And so it's, it's a really easy case to be made. Um, and frankly, it's a really low hanging win for these employers. Like it's a very affordable benefit. Um, it's fun. It's literal pictures of puppies that you get to put on your, you know, on your employee benefit material. So it's a really great way for employers to meet their employees where they are in their lives and their journeys and support them um, for a relatively low cost. So yeah, it's it's a huge focus of ours. As we mentioned earlier, the 2% is, is focused on highlighting stories of people who are working to improve the stats, particularly around investment in diverse founders. From your point of view, kind of having gone through the fundraising journey, um, the ups and downs of it, what do you think that it will take to, to really find parity, um, you know, in, in this space? I mean, more women investors is sort of the obvious answer that everybody says, which I agree. Um, I think, you know, something that I can contribute and that I think more of other founders can contribute to help the case is just paying it forward and being very intentional about that. Um, you get super busy as a CEO and like your calendar's insane, but I always make time 30 minutes here or there to speak with other founders who are raising around, who are noodling through an idea because other people did that for me. And especially, like I said, I came from finance, so I had no clue what I was doing. And without those conversations and that safe space to ask those stupid questions, um, I wouldn't have had the confidence or I wouldn't have known how to even get started. And so I think the simple act of taking the call and helping kind of mentor someone, even unofficially here and there, is so beneficial. Um, and it's also very rewarding. And it's a kind of a cool moment to reflect on, you know, what you've learned, what you've screwed up, what you've done really well. Um, but I think that that will go a long way in, in building up the confidence and pushing more of these women with these incredible ideas um, forward. That's a great piece of advice. I love that. Um, so we're going to move into our lightning round. Um, and this is a few questions. Feel free to answer with, you know, whatever comes to mind first. Um, so let's start with your favorite client or customer story. And this could either be a pet or a human. Uh, so many good ones. Um, the one that comes to mind, I was doing a customer interview and I'm speaking to this woman who has been a longtime Wagmo customer. She was one of our earliest customers. And she told me that she loved the Wagmo wellness plan. And so she switched her insurance from a competitor to Wagmo. Um, and the reason why she did that is because she has Wagmo for her service dog. And it is so important for her that 
her dog is well taken care of because her dog takes care of her. Um, and we did such a great job supporting her with our wellness product that she trusted us more than a competitor to support her on insurance. Um, and so that tugged at all of the heartstrings. And then she goes on to tell me she told her parents about LAGMO. And so her, her dad got it for his dog. And apparently, you know, her 70 year old father is out there at the dog park in the mornings talking about LAGMO to his dog buddies. Um, yeah, so that was like one of those moments where you get the butterflies and the the all of the pieces fall into place, and you're like, yeah. you know, you're actually really helping people, um, yeah, and doing good out there. Amazing. What habits or habit um, would you say has helped um, helped you with you know just being successful? I mean, I'm gonna go back to just being authentic. Um, this time more as a CEO and as a leader, you know, when I first started, it took me a little while to get comfortable with the fact that I did not look, act, or behave like, you know, your typical CEO archetype. Um, and that I was gonna have to be my own weird version of, of what a CEO is and that I can still be successful that way. And um, that's made life much easier for me and it's made it very fun. And I think it, um, it brings a level of authenticity and builds a level of trust with my team and, and with my customers that um, that I would be missing if I was really trying to stick to and kind of fit a mold of what I think a CEO should look like or what I thought a CEO should look like four years ago. Um, so that has been a really cool journey for me. And I'm, I'm starting to get to that point where I feel very comfortable in that skin. Amazing. What would you be doing if you weren't Wagmo's founder? Oh man, <laughs> taking a nap. <laughs> um, no, my, I always joke, well, it's not a joke, this is a serious plan, that my retirement uh, project is to open a doggy daycare center. Oh, I love yeah. that, I love yeah. that. Um, anything you want to plug or announce here? I will shamelessly plug that we are hiring like crazy and we have an incredible work-life balance. You get to literally hang out with puppies and get paid to do it. Um, super ambitious, high-performing, fun, nerdy team um, of, of pet parents and pet lovers. So check us out online. Love that. Um, and where can our listeners find you online? So if you Google Wagmo, we are there. Our site is wagmo.io, or you can find us on social media. Our handle is at meetwagmo. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. This was so insightful and interesting, and I uh, really appreciate you making the time. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to chat with you, and this is really fun. Thank you for tuning in to The 2% for today's episode featuring Christy, CEO and co-founder of Wagmo. Christy's mission to reimagine pet and wellness could not have come at a more important time for pet parents, and we are thrilled to include Christy and Wagmo as part of the Female Founders Fund family. Stay in touch with us on Instagram at Female Founders Fund and on Twitter at FQVC. And for those of you building the next billion dollar businesses, we'd love to hear from you. Send all pitch decks to pitches at femalefoundersfund.com and we'll be in touch.
And finally, if you're interested in working at one of our 45 plus female founded startups, explore our job opportunities at jobs.femalefoundersfund.com. Make sure to subscribe to The 2% on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening. And stay tuned for our next episode with powerful women founding and funding the future. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out too. Until next time, I'm Anu Dougal, and this has been The 2%.